Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Alcohol Football Podcast. I am your host, Ivan. Now, it is with great sadness that I do announce that my co-host Noah was fired due to some disparaging comments that he made last week regarding the proper ownership of the Houston Oilers. How the hell did you get into my house? I just went to the fucking shitter and you start without me? Yeah, I fired you last week. Bullshit. No, run it back. It's there. Bullshit. I'm right here. All right, so now let's restart, shall we? Properly this time? If you insist. Hello and welcome back to the Alcohol Football Podcast. As always, I am your host, Noah, the captain, brought to you by my guest and friend, Ivan. I still don't understand how you got into my house, but... And this episode is brought to you by Primetime Productions, where you can get all of our all of your news and podcasts, whether it be NHL, NFL, NBA, or anything else sports, go to Primetime Productions. Ivan. Yes, sir. We got a pretty good week this week to talk about. We really do. It, it was some quality footballing. Absolutely. But, as always, before we get to the footballing, what is this, like, weird carrot juice that you've poured for me? So, this past weekend was Thanksgiving up in Canada, and I figured, you know, it's fall, it's Thanksgiving. What's more fall and Thanksgiving-y than pumpkin spice? So, what you've got in front of you right there is a pumpkin old-fashioned. Ooh. Okay. How do you make a pumpkin old old fashioned? Well, pretty simple. I mean, you need one and a half ounces of bourbon whiskey. I used bonded whiskey because it is better. Half an ounce of brandy based orange liqueur like Grand Marnier. Half an ounce of maple syrup. Two tablespoons of pumpkin puree and a dash of aromatic bitters. Get Ooh. those all set together. Pour them in a cocktail shaker filled with ice. Shake it away for a while. Double strain it. Fancy, I know, we're really breaking the bank here. Into a cup filled with ice, and there you have it. Not gonna lie, you had me at pouring a cup with ice. <laughs> well, how's about it? Cheers. Cheers. Interesting. I've realized something. What? I think I forgot to double strain it. Because I'm, I'm feeling a bit of a bit of thickness that probably shouldn't be there. Yeah. Honestly, I noticed that a little bit too, but that's okay. Um, as far as the flavor goes, it's a unique flavor. I wouldn't describe it as pumpkin spice because you can definitely taste the pumpkin, but you can also really, really taste that maple syrup. It really comes through, and I, I did not expect it with the whiskey. I thought it would layer it more, but I'm actually very happy mm -hmm. with that syrup taste. Well, I mean, a couple Canadian boys brought up on maple syrup. Of course, we're going to be happy to have maple syrup in our, in our booze. Uh, let me take another sip here. Not bad. Not the best thing I've ever had, 
But you know what? Definitely does set the mood for Thanksgiving. And before we get uh, get started, Ivan, what are you thankful for this Thanksgiving? I, I was, I knew you were going to ask this. Um, well, it it's cornball time. I'm thankful for the man sitting about twelve feet away from me who decided to go on this harebrained adventure that I came up with. And I'm thankful for the sport that we're covering. I'm thankful for, there's too many things. I'm, I could keep going forever. There's a lot of, of stuff to be thankful for. What have you got, Noah? I don't know. I, I kind of got a weird one. Shoot. I'm not going to go into details, but as you know, this last year has been very difficult for me. Uh, just in my personal life, last week I got into a car accident. Lots of uh, really kind of shitty stuff happened. But all in all, um, I've taken those opportunities to grow, become a better person, start a podcast with you, which of course wouldn't have been able to under previous circumstances. And really, I'm just thankful for the opportunities that I've had to become the man that I am today. It's been difficult. Hasn't been easy. But uh, here we are. And uh, I'm incredibly proud of us. And uh, yeah. Well, shit, I'll drink to that. Alrighty, enough with my fucking sappiness. Let's do some recaps, shall we? All the way. All right, so let's start with the worst fucking game that this weekend at all. Uh, so I'm going to skip all the way to Sunday night football. Uh, so for any newcomers to the podcast, I'm a diehard Seahawks fan. Live and breathe Seahawks. Absolutely fucking hate the Niners. Cheer for them to lose every week. Well, Ivan, guess what? I'm going to assume they won based off your vitriol. Oh, they absolutely just pummeled the Dallas Cowboys. Look, 42 to 10. And you and I weren't that close at all with our predictions last week. I guessed 32 to 14. You guessed 35 to 25. So all in all, not close. No, not, not really. Not even in the same ballpark. But at least we were right in saying that the Niners were going to win. Fuck the Niners. But I do want to take a moment to say, How about them Cowboys? Because they looked like shit. Like, it was bad. It was absolutely horrible. Um, look, they couldn't even get a first down to start off the game using one of their own plays. So they ended up using the tush push or the brotherly shove to get their first first down of the game. So shout out to our, to our Eagle listeners out there, probably getting a good kick out of that one. Um, and the rest is just par for the course. It was such a bad beating that both, San Fran and Dallas put in their backups in the uh, halfway through the fourth quarter. 
And at the beginning of the first fourth quarter, fans started leaving the stadium. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. The the Cowboys backup is that not Tra- Trey Lance? Nope. It was Cooper Rush, but do you know what the Niners fans were were demanding? Oh, they wanted him, didn't they? Oh, they wanted him. They they were chanting "Bring out Lance." The for the entire time of Rush being out there on the field, kind of feel bad for Rush, but at the same time, Niners fans have been waiting a long time to see Lance do anything. What do you mean? He's done plenty of things. He's broken his ankle and. And uh, among and, other injuries and, and looked like shit. Um, now, before I get into statistics here, there is one more thing that I do want to say. Look, it's no secret. Fuck the Niners. But do you know what I hate more than the Niners? Dirty plays. And I got really, really riled up when CMC was hit in the head. It was a straight head-to-head collision with Dallas safety uh, Donovan Wilson. Absolutely disgusting. Absolutely brutal. I was really frustrated to see that there was no ejection. Um, Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. So you're telling me a man gets called for a targeting foul Mm -hmm. or whatever they call it in the NFL. Unnecessary roughness. Okay. I've been watching a lot of college football lately, and they always make the distinction. And then doesn't get the hat thrown at him? Are you kidding me? You got a warning. Oh, my God. So I was very frustrated to see that. And again, I probably would have been a lot more angry if it was any other team. But again, I hate dirty hits way more than I hate the Niners. Um but fortunately enough, CMC continued to play and scored a touchdown on that drive. So, didn't really do anything. But, yeah. It's, it's, the, it's the principle of the matter. Like, you, you're now setting a precedent that players can potentially get away with head-on-head hits if they play for a high-caliber team, right? It's only because it's Dallas. Any other team, their hat would have been thrown immediately. But speaking of Dallas, uh, let's go over some stats. Dak Prescott did not look good. Let's just say that. Uh, He had 14 completions for 24 attempts, 153 passing yards, one touchdown. I'm going to skip interceptions for now and just tell you that his passer rating was 51.6. Now, with that, can you guess how many picks he threw? Well, I'm going to say a certain number of words, and I think if I've done my math, that number of words will equate to the number of picks. Rain, Dakota, Prescott. Ding, ding, ding. We have a winner. Three picks. He's in fine form. I mean, this is classic Dak. Exactly. He's already mid-season form. Actually, no. I, I don't want to be disrespectful to Rain Dakota Prescott. This is playoff form for him. I'm so proud of him to be already at his peak playing ability 
this far into this early into the season, I'm really proud of him. He's really taking steps forward. Well, you know, it's nice to see a player really push themselves to hit that postseason form so early in theory. You wonder what he's going to be capable of when it actually matters. Exactly. Now, also, um, the Dallas Cowboys had an outstanding rushing attack that uh, the entire offense added up to 57 yards. Bravo, Dallas. Bravo. With Tony Pollard, your boy, your man, the best running back in the league. I never said that. Had a total of 29 of those yards. Also, this elite, elite, absolute elite receiving core, uh, not a single receiver had more than 50 yards receiving. With C.D. Lamb having 49. And Cavante Turpin scoring the only touchdown. And this defense was absolutely star-studded. They only accounted for one sack, and the rest were relatively forgettable. I mean, completely and utterly memorable. Now, moving on to the fucking Niners, you know the drill. Brock Purdy played really well. 17 for 24, 252 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions, 144.4 passer rating. This kid's kind of good. He's five games away from uh, (laughs) tying Roethlisberger's record. Yep. I hope that doesn't happen. Uh, Now, what's even crazier is that it seems like the Niners always got the ball back with fantastic field field position because none of the stats reflect this blowout. CMC had 19 rushes for 51 yards, one touchdown. Uh, Jordan Mason had 10 rushes for 69 yards and one touchdown. Nice. Uh, George Kittle had three receptions, 67 yards, and three touchdowns. And on his third touchdown, he uh, ripped his jersey up to show a shirt that said, Fuck the Cowboys. I mean, that's just paying homage to the past. Exactly. And I mean, even though it's from a team that I hate, I do approve that message. Fuck the Niners still. Don't get me wrong. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, four receptions, 58 yards. Kyle Juszczyk looked really good with four receptions, only 26 yards, but a touchdown. As for the defense, look. I'm getting sick and tired of saying, oh, the 49ers defense feasted. Look, Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw, those are the only names that I'm going to talk about because really they're the only names worth talking about. Everybody else did good. They did great. They had so many defenders with stats. But between the two of them, uh, Fred got five tackles, three assists, a sack and an intersection interception and uh, Dre got five tackles in one sack. Look, this is the best linebacking core in the league. I'm just giving them a shout out because linebackers don't get enough love unless you're TJ Watt. 
or uh, Bobby Wagner. So shout out. Uh, I'm fucking done talking about this team. Fuck the Niners. <laughs> well, I, I, I think that was very well said. And I, I'm glad to see that your game selection continues to haunt you week by week. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I got to talk about a team that I absolutely love. So we're out here talking about the Carolina Panthers and the Detroit Lions. This, can we even call it a game? Yes. Okay. Well, it was a game only by the loosest sense of the definition. Um, some key, some key notes. I'm on Ross St. Brown, Jameer Gibbs, and Brian Branch were all out with injuries. Uh. The Detroit Lions still put up 42 points. 42? 42. The Carolina Panthers are a bad football team. Now, that said, look, Bryce Young's had his struggles. He still went 25 of 41 for 247 yards, three touchdowns, and two picks. But the issue with that is that you're having a rookie quarterback throwing, attempting 41 passes. He's a rookie. Yeah. You it, can't expect that much from somebody. It's Carolina. They don't know how to run an offense. They don't have an offense other than him. What do you mean? They have Adam Thielen, who got 11 receptions for 107 yards and a touchdown. Okay, that's not bad. No, it's not bad at all. Look, Carolina actually looked pretty good. Detroit was just leagues ahead. I mean, Jared Goff went 20 of 28 for 236, three touchdowns, and a rushing touchdown to go along with it. David Montgomery continued his dominance of the NFC, run, NFC North running back group with 10 carries for 109 yards and a touchdown. Shit. Sam Laporta continued to have one of the best rookie seasons I've ever seen out of a tight end with three receptions, 47 yards, and two touchdowns. This Detroit offense is just clicking on all fronts. It got to the point where I look through my stat sheet that I've got here. I'm out of Carolina names. Nobody stood out on that team other than Young and Thielen. Wow. Like, there's a reason they're 0-5. It's because they have nobody making plays. And that's something that I know, I know Bryce Young is a rookie. I get that. But that means your guys have to step up and it's not happening. Yeah. Poof. I mean, it's almost as if you should try to build a team, then get your quarterback rather than get your quarterback, then try to build a team. But what do I know? I'm, I'm, I'm not in charge of the Carolina Panthers. I'm just a guy sipping on his uh, uh, pumpkin spice alcoholic beverage in a basement in Canada. Now, I do want to give some credit where it is due to Detroit's defense because I've got three names here that, that really stood out. Alex Anzalone, 11 tackles, eight of them solo with two QB hits. Will Harris pulled up to replace Brian Branch. Nine tackles, seven solo tackles, one pass deflection, one QB hit, and a fumble recovery. And, of course, last but not least, Aiden Hutchinson is the first defensive lineman in history to have four picks in his first two years. He picked off Bryce Young, and it was a beautiful like one-handed snag 
that I didn't think Hutchinson was capable of. This man should have been the first overall pick. This man should have won Rookie of the Year. I couldn't agree more. I mean, behind Tariq Woolen, of course. Sorry, buddy. You're on your own with this one. All right. So, uh, you remember how last week I said I'm not going to be sold on Fields until he has a game where he plays well and doesn't throw a pick and wins? Yes, I remember that very clearly. Yeah, so I lied because I'm still not sold on him, but I view him a lot more favorably now because the Bears came in to Washington, played for Dick Butkus, and won 40-20. to Look, Chicago had to win that game. They had to. Got to do it for Dick. Pause, pause, pause. You got to do it for number 50. <laughs> you have to keep that in. You have to keep that in. <laughs> 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 <sighs> Fuck. Uh... Let me rephrase. They did it for 51. Um, Wow, I lost my train of thought. Uh, No, the Bears have to win for number 51. Um, And look, the Bears just won all around, too. They took just an absolute commanding lead in the first half, scoring 27 points and only allowed three. So going into halftime... All in all, really, really, really good. And really, it just allowed them to coast in the third. Now, Commies kind of tried to make a comeback. They closed the gap uh, by scoring 10 points. So going into the fourth, it was 27 to 13. Not impossible to come back. Um, But then uh, the Bears did what I wish Seattle did and just Turned, turned on the gas again and just started firing on all cylinders and then ended up winning 40 to 20. So all in all, they did really well. And look, like I said, Fields played well. He went 15 for 29, 282 passing yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions, with a 125.3 passer rating. So all in all, did really well. He also rushed 11 times for 57 yards. So a Justin Fields game. Yeah, he played well. Um, And Khalil Herbert also, he did okay. He rushed for, he rushed 10 times for 76 yards. Um, DJ Moore, this is the player of the game right here. Look, Fields played well, don't get me wrong, but DJ Moore went with eight receptions, mind you, 230 yards, three touchdowns, and averaged 28.8 yards per reception. You know, I've I've heard from the rumor mill that the uh, Carolina Panthers are looking for a number one receiver. 
Yeah. They should check this guy out. I mean, holy shit. Who knows? I, I, I hear he's worth a uh, first round pick. Either way, look, I mean, hell of a stat line. But this just further proves what a lot of people have been saying about Justin Fields is he needed weapons. He's got DJ Moore now, and oh baby, the results are there. It's just a matter of, well, to quote Justin Fields himself, the coaching staff. But I think at the very least they've solved their receiving issues. Well, for sure. And then even if we look at the commies, it's not like the commies played poorly. They just got outclassed, which is not something that I was expect that you and I were expecting going into this game because we both had the commies winning by a substantial amount. Look, Sam Howell went 37 for 51. Look, 51 pass attempts, that's ridiculous. You can't have a quarterback doing that. Now, they didn't have an option because the entire offense rushed for 29 yards. So, all in all, not good. But Howell did have 388 passing yards, two touchdowns, one interception. And look, 99.1 passer rating. These aren't bad numbers. Just when you have... DJ Moore doing what he did, you can't really do anything. And what doesn't help, I mean, I've I've done my fair share of criticizing Sam Howell. I'll admit that. But he's throwing the ball 51 times. Like, he can't catch a breath. He can't rest the muscles. And defense knows what's coming. Exactly. But what was really interesting, too, and this is the reason why I'm not concerned for the commies. Look, the commies are a younger team. They're working on what they want to look like. They're trying to figure out their their identity. But the reason why I'm not concerned is because they had three receivers go over 60 yards receiving. And they had 11 credited receivers making at least one reception. So look, they have options. They're going to try different things. It's just about finding success. But when you have a team like the Bears... Playing for butt kiss. No, exactly. I mean, this is the Bears team that came in, obviously fired up as all hell because this is one of the greatest NFL players, not just in Chicago history, but in the history of the league. And you got to go out there and you got to put on an inspiring performance. And they went and did that by miles. Exactly. And ultimately, that's what ended up winning it for them. So, you know. There isn't really anything else to talk about. Defenses weren't really all that notable, but all in all, Bears went out. They won. I don't believe that they'll be able to replicate this moving forward. I've been wrong about them before. Hopefully, I can be wrong again, but I just can't see it. All right. Well, up next, I've got, honestly, a game that was far less exciting than I thought it would be. The Philadelphia Eagles and the Los Angeles Rams. Um, the Eagles were the better team, but their offense, and this is more so in the second half, really stalled out. I mean, you had three long drives that all ended with field goals. Did it matter? 
ultimately no, because the Eagles were able to shut the Rams out after halftime. But, you know, it raises questions about the Super Bowl hangover. I mean, I agree. But at the same time, the Eagles play with so much grit and determination that they're able to pull wins. Um, And really, that's kind of what's important, no? I mean, look, as long as you're able to compete and stay competitive. My issue, and I agree with you there, you know, grit is just as an important factor as any. I don't know if they can run with the 49ers. I agree. But I don't think anybody in the league can. Like, and it's not like the Eagles are putting up bad numbers on a personal level. I mean... Jalen Hurts went 25 of 38 for 303 yards, one touchdown, one pick. On top of that, 15 carries for 72 yards and a touchdown run. That's Philadelphia's leading rusher right there. Mm -hmm. I know he's a mobile quarterback, but it raises questions, and you you hear this every time, and I'm going to be that guy about his longevity. I mean, especially with Philly too, you know, you have to think about longevity because you have Nick Foles uh, coming in and replacing Michael Vick. He didn't play all that long. Then you have Carson Wentz coming in, having one MVP caliber season, and then, you know, jumping off the face of the map. I mean, look, if I were to have a second team, it would be the Eagles. You know this. Oh, yeah. Especially going up against the Rams. Fuck the Rams. Amen. Um, You know, I would cheer for the Eagles, but it's tough because you have to look at it so objectively. And as much as I like Jalen Hurts and as much as I like this Eagles team, it is tough to say what their future looks like with a few of their better players getting up there in age. Um, But, and and whether or not uh, Hertz can play long-term. But look, I think Hertz has shown that he's capable of passing the ball. Um, And that running is a big part of his game. But hopefully we can see a bit more of a transition from go more pass or run orientated to becoming more pass oriented, which we are already seeing a little bit. It's a gradual change. Just hopefully it happens before a serious injury or anything that causes him to regress significantly. Well, and what's going to help that transition is, I mean, he's got AJ Brown with him who had six receptions for 127 yards. He's got Dallas Goddard with him. Eight receptions, 117 yards, and a touchdown. So I think having pieces that are as good as he's got, and that's not even mentioning Devonta Smith, who had a quiet game but was still a good presence. You know, it's going to make it a lot easier for him to be able to opt into the pass game. And I think I think as he gets older, we're going to see a lot more of a more pass-based Eagles offense. I mean, you know, I understand the old saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But you don't want your starting quarterback to get broke. Exactly. Um, I, I think they are in the middle of that transition. 
we'll see what the future holds for them though. Now I actually want to talk a little bit about the Rams because Cooper cup, it's his first game back coming off of his hamstring injury. And uh, he didn't lose a step, eight receptions for 118 yards. Not surprising at all. And Stafford, especially early in the games, Matt Stafford looked really comfortable having him back. The balls were coming out quick, made it work, you know, ultimately not enough, but with this Eagles defense being as good as it is, there's going to be situations where you're just outclassed. And I mean, Jalen Carter had four tackles, three of them solo, two sacks, two tackles for loss. And Hassan Reddick had two tackles, two sacks, two tackles for loss, and three quarterback hits. And this is all happening without Fletcher Cox, who sat out this game. And really, I think that just goes to show how great this Eagles team really is when you're missing your one of your one of your best leaders. I mean, um, if I had to pick the number one leader on that D-line, it would probably be Brandon Graham. But Fletcher Cox is definitely up there. But the fact that he was missing and they were still able to put tons and tons of pressure on Stafford, that's a good sign for things to come. Whether or not this is their year to go back to the Super Bowl, I could see it within the next few years. And I think it really shows, like you said, I mean, look, Fletcher Cox, not young. Brandon Graham, not terribly young either. Jalen Carter's a young buck, and he is a monster. So, I mean, I'm if I'm Eagles fans, I'm not worried at all about the state of that defense. Now, before I wrap this up, I do want to shout out a few Rams. Uh, Ernest Jones, 15 tackles, 10 solo, 3 tackles for loss. Jordan Fuller, 12 tackles. Seven solo, one pass deflection. And Akello Witherspoon, four tackles, all of them solo, one pass deflection, and an interception. So, I mean, you had guys on the Rams that were putting up big numbers, ultimately just couldn't get it done. And sometimes that's the way it goes. Absolutely. Sometimes just the better team wins. Moving on to the London game. I'm bringing it back, baby. We have the Jacksonville Jaguars taking on the Buffalo Bills. Look, you and I were both wrong here. You and I, I said 18 to 9 in favor of Bills. You said 28 to 20 also in favor of Bills. Final score 25 to 20 with Jacksonville winning. Now, look, this was a really interesting game to watch. Last week, I talked about how um, I was concerned about the Bills coming out, maybe the jet lag affecting them, especially when Jacksonville has already been there for an extra week. Um, And boy, was I right, because the Bills had two three and outs on their first two possessions which is absolutely insane because they only had four all season long coming into this game. So clearly it was having an effect. um, And really they just took forever to get going. Um, 
because they were just held to seven points until the third or until the fourth quarter. Now, on top of that, jet lag also came into effect uh, with the penalties because they looked really undisciplined. They were averaging around in and around five penalties per game. They had 11 penalties. And I'm glad you brought this up because I remember I woke up early enough to watch this game and I remember four consecutive plays with flags. There were multiple like uh, was, drives where just flags were just being thrown on what seemed like every play. I don't know if the refs just were really laundry happy today that that game or what, but like it, I almost turned it off. It did get really annoying seeing all those flags, uh, but ultimately it didn't change the game in a negative way. Just they were way too trigger happy with those. Let them play. There was nothing really egregious especially in the fourth quarter where it was just flag after flag after flag. But as long as it was fair, that's really all I care about. And from what I saw, just being impartial, that's what I saw. Except for one. Except for one really just horrible, horrible, horrible roughing the passer call. So good Josh Allen. Makes an absolutely stunning stunt move. Comes in, up the A-gap. Hits bad Josh Allen. Square in the chest. Clean hit. Didn't even hit him that hard. Like, you could tell. Good Josh Allen took his foot off the gas a little bit. Still had the damn flag thrown. And Josh Allen, good Josh Allen, was robbed of a sack. Yeah, I mean, I look, player safety is something I will always advocate for, but also this is football. Let them make hits. It does like it does the league no good to be flagging every single sure, there's been some pretty bad ones. There's been some suspect ones. But we've seen like your like this one here. Flags thrown on perfectly clean football tackles. It's ridiculous. And really, they just called it on him putting too much weight on him. Look, it's football. Okay? If if, if you really want to get some of the boys out there wearing bras and tutus, fine, we can do that. We can start playing some sarcastic ball. Maybe we, we replace the football with a balloon, right? And then instead of tackling, we just have everybody hug and give each other compliments. Sure, let's do that. But if we want to keep watching football cheering for football, you got to let sacks like this stand. That was horseshit. Now, I don't really want to get into stats on this one just because I'm getting a little worked up and I am losing focus, but there is one player that I really want to give a really quick shout out to. Um, This to me should be the defensive or AFC defensive player of the week. He won't get it because he was on the bills and the bills lost. Um, I'm going to talk about AJ, uh, Epinesa. Look, he was the absolute standout when he wasn't on the field. You could tell, uh, he took an, he took three plays out because he needed to catch his breath because he was doing so well. Um, and that's when the Jags just went on huge drives. Look, he had two tackles two assists, two sacks, one forced fumble, 
one fumble recovery uh, and had, as a defensive end, keep that in mind, as a defensive end, he had not one, not two, but three pass deflections. Well, you know, I'm glad you mentioned the pass deflections because first and foremost, I hope to God that Matt Milano recovers okay. That was a nasty leg injury. Prayers up. Wishing him the best. Now, acknowledging that, it seems to me, and you would understand this better than I ever could, but at times Epinesa was dropping back to that linebacker slot to fill that void at least somewhat. Yeah, and I mean, really, it was just everything that he just couldn't do anything wrong. It seemed like he was reading the play right on every single time. So on those, the force fumble and the fumble recovery, those were two separate plays. Those were both in the end zone on back-to-back drives that Jacksonville had in the second quarter. They could have scored, they could have sealed the game away early, but because of AJ, that didn't happen. Again, he got the fumble recovery, and then on the next drive, he got the force fumble. Ivan, who you got next? Well, I'm going to send us home with a very interesting matchup. The Minnesota Vikings and the Kansas City Chiefs. Um... This game was a mess in every facet of the word. Travis Kelsey injures his ankle before halftime, comes back later in the game, catches a touchdown, looks fine. Question, was Taylor Swift there to kiss his boo-boo better? I'm actually pretty sure that she missed this one. Now, on the subject of injuries, uh, any Vikings fans might want to just turn this off right now because Justin Jefferson has a hamstring injury, and will be out for a minimum of four weeks. I knew it sucked to be a Vikings fan. I didn't think they could have it any worse. It's time for Jordan Addison to to prove that he's that guy. Otherwise, this season could get even uglier really fast. Now, a stat that I saw floating around a lot over the last stretch of weeks is that Minnesota one score game stat. You know, they went 11 and 0 last season. They're what? 0 and 4 this season. Yeah. All of their losses have been eight points or less. Yeah. It's not, not fun times. Look, they've got the most turnovers in the league. They've got 12, eight fumbles. If they're going to do anything, it has to start now, and it just got that much more difficult. But that's enough about the lamentations of the Vikings. Patrick Mahomes has officially beaten all opponents in the league. Now, this game was not at all what I predicted in terms of how the ball would be used. I made it very clear that the Chiefs were going to have to rely on the run game. So naturally, as a team, they went out and put up 67 rushing yards. Shows you what I know about football. How much did Pacheco have? Also, I've been studying. I I made sure to not say Pachinko this time. I'm I'm glad you've been studying low 30s. Low 30s? Might have been mid 30s. That's the one number I did not write down. Oof. It's okay. The Vikings rushing game was no better. They had 70 yards. 
you know, why why use running backs? Patrick Mahomes goes 31 of 41 for 281 yards, two touchdowns. Our dear friend Kirk goes 29 of 47 for 284 yards and two touchdowns. Travis Kelsey, ankle injury, never heard of her. 10 receptions, 67 yards and a touchdown. Jordan Addison, actually. I have him written down here as the most standout receiver on the Vikings. Woo! Six receptions, 64 yards, and a tutty. Happy for the kid. I mentioned Minnesota's turnovers earlier. That was very relevant. Uh, The Vikings had two more fumbles in this game. Recovered one. But, like I said, they're at a dozen fumbles on the season. And things are not going to get much better. I want to talk about the defense a little bit. Chiefs drew Tranquil nine tackles, five of them solo. Legereus Sneed, eight tackles, all of them solo. Two pass deflections and a QB hit. And Justin Reed, eight tackles, seven solo, one pass deflection. On the other side of the ball, Harrison Smith, ten tackles, seven solo. Jordan Hicks, ten tackles, six solo, and a pass deflection. And Cameron Bynum, eight tackles, seven solo, and a pass deflection. So, I mean, there's guys putting up numbers on the defense. It ultimately was not enough for the Vikings, at least, to beat not just Patrick Mahomes, but the referees. Look, um... Why the fuck do we have to keep talking about these damn refs? Because I'm pissed off. Last play of the game... Vikings down by seven. Kirk Cousins drops back to pass. Throws the ball. Gets hit late. Okay, so that's one. Late hit. No flag? No flag. Don't worry, it gets worse. The cornerback in coverage, Legereus Sneed. So much illegal contact that I've forgotten who he was covering. It was bad. No flag. Legereus Sneed then proceeds to take off his helmet in celebration while the game clock is running. And you know what happened? I actually saw this one. Yeah, they told him, oh, you got to put that back on. That's a 15-yard penalty. Do you know what we saw in a different game? TJ Watt. The man who's a part of the family that's quite literally NFL royalty took his helmet off walking to the sideline, wasn't quite off the field yet. They still got penalized. No warning, no understanding. Oh, he's walking off the field. Straight penalty. Well, you know, I mean, he, he, he plays for the Steelers. When was the last time the Steelers won a Super Bowl? Not literally. Just okay, thank like, you. I didn't want to do that math in my No, head. just like figuratively, and I'm not like trying to shout, like piss off our Steeler fan base. Um, I like it's it's a rhetorical question that the refs are asking themselves. Yeah, look, this, and I'm going to make it very clear. I would be saying this no matter what team it was. The fact that it's the Chiefs just makes me that much angrier because. NFL 
what the fuck are you doing? That's been a 15-yard penalty since helmets became a thing. The Browns, playing against the Chiefs years ago, lost a game because one of their men pulled his hat off in celebration of the Chiefs missing a field goal. What the hell? This is getting ridiculous. Like, I I don't want to be the guy who hampers on the refs week after week after week for having supposed favoritism. But also, I mean, it doesn't get much clearer than that. Two officials are right there, and all they say is, oh, put your hat back on. Okay, I, I'm, I'm closing this segment because... Yeah, I can already tell you're getting worked up, and yeah. so am I. Moving on, we have something special for you guys today. We decided to take a week off of our off of our drafts. Um, look, I, for anybody paying attention, I'm fully aware Ivan won the draft this week with 100% of the votes, but we had decided this before the poll was over. Full, we, full we did, and I, I, I will... I will cede that we had, in fact, made concessions that we didn't want to give you guys a subpar draft, and we wanted to throw a different wrench into the mix a little bit, just to liven things up a bit, you know? Exactly. And so, with that, I'll discuss what advantage you're going to have this week with what we're doing right away, but first I'm going to talk about what it is that we're doing. And what it is, is we're going to be giving you guys a power ranking. Top 10 teams in the NFL, except Ivan and I are going to be going over it together and make this list together. Now, the benefit of him winning the draft last week will be he gets to pick one team in one place, and I can't dispute it. I mean, I will, but it doesn't doesn't mean it'll change. Because you will have final say in one of your picks. In one of my picks. In one of the picks. Okay, I can work with that. I mean, as much as I want to spoil your 100% first overall pick and kind of carry this over, I I, I do agree to the terms put forth. Perfect. Well, and now that we've set the rules, let's discuss who we have Number one on our power ranking. I think it's pretty clear cut. I think it's pretty obvious. I'm going to throw up if I have to say it. So you go ahead. So number one, obviously, I mean, it's a one horse race. We got them beautiful boys in red and gold. The San Francisco 49ers. Absolutely ugly color scheme. Only an idiot would wear that. Any arguments made against this selection will be deemed null and void because... You're just wrong. Oh, I'm... Look, I can set my hatred aside and still admit that the Niners are the best team in football right now. They're the only team week to week looks absolutely perfect, absolutely polished. And if I have to go on, I might just jump off a roof. All right, well, then I'll I'll let you move on to who you've got at number two. Okay, so I'm going to tell you who I got at number two, and you're going to disagree immediately. Okay. However, 
before you intervene, let me make my case. Let me make my argument. All right. I, I'll, I'll listen. I'll have an open mind. Okay. And I'll still tell you you're wrong. And that is the Philadelphia Eagles. Look, the Eagles have struggled. It's just a 100% fact. However, in spite of those struggles, they are still the only other undefeated team in the league. And I think that the fact that they're undefeated, we have to put them to. Look, it's the two undefeated teams and the Eagles. Look, they've gone up and barely won against bad opponents. But in that same breath, I'm going to say they've gone up against great opponents and just barely won. The Eagles know how to just barely win. They have that grit. They have that uh, determination. They have that drive that the Niners just don't have because everything is just a cakewalk for them so far. The first game where the Niners have true adversity, they're going to lose. But the Eagles, you never have to worry about that because every game they're facing adversity and they fight through it. Look, your arguments have substance. I will admit that. You also gave me the power of a veto card to be used as I see fit. And therefore, I'm going to talk about the Detroit Lions. Yes. And you're using your veto on this one. I am. I am using it to put the Lions at two. Look. You're right. The Eagles are undefeated. They barely beat the football team led by Sam Howell. Their offense really let their feet off the gas against the Rams. The Buccaneers, I have nothing to say other than that was just good quality football. They only beat the Vikings because of the touchback rule. And the Patriots somehow stayed competitive when they played them week one. The Eagles are a very good football team. Their record will reflect that. But they have not played well enough in my eyes to sit number two. And that's why I'm giving it to Detroit, a team that, you know, went out week one, beat Kansas City. Sure, they've lost a game. They lost to a very good Seattle Seahawks team. A Seattle Seahawks team that... I have said all season, will be good, will be scary. I just can't, in good faith, put the Eagles above the Detroit Lions. And so, I'm playing the card right here, right now. Okay. Okay. So now, number three, this is where we put the Eagles. Yes. Okay. Yes, that, that no argument there whatsoever. Perfect. All right. Who do you have at four? Oh, I have the vape-smoking head coaches team, the Miami Dolphins. So it's funny that you say this. Shoot. Because I have my dolphin, they're the Dolphins at three. Okay. And I have the Lions at four. <laughs> but... I do agree. It is time for the Finns to make an appearance. They have the best offense in football right now. Um, they have one of the most entertaining teams to watch. Statistically, they have one of the fastest teams in the NFL. And Tua is 
I feel like saying underrated would be wrong because so many people are split on him, but I'll just say one of the best quarterbacks in the league in Tua. What I will say about Tua is there were worries he'd lose a step coming off all of his head head issues. God, no. He looks just as good, if not better, than he did last season. And these Dolphins, they're scary, man. Fastest team in football. Receiving yard leader. And one of the best skill position groups in the NFL. And to any and all of my former teammates listening to this, we all know, because our coaches taught us this, they talked about it all the time, my dad included, speed kills. And that's what the Dolphins have. Moving on to number five. I don't know how you're going to feel about who I have at five. Call away. I have the Kansas City refs. Oh, I have uh, Taylor Swift's newest fanboys. Oh, perfect. So let's just put Team Swifty. Okay, yep, sounds good. And look, uh, it feels weird not putting KC number one. No, it doesn't. I'm Look. I'm, <laughs> it, I'm, it doesn't I'm, feel weird at all. They've been outclassed by arguably all the teams that we have mentioned, except maybe the Eagles. Well, I just mean as far as what we've seen in the past. Because typically, we would be used to saying, okay, KC number one. If we were to do a power ranking at our very first episode before week one, you and I, before Thursday night game, we both probably would have said KC is number one. I said Detroit would beat them all week. You can you can even pull up the receipts. But I, I get, as no, but as far but, as, power rankings, as, far as rankings go, I get what you're saying. And yeah. you're not wrong because even with their issues at the wide receiver position, they were expected to be a juggernaut. And I'm not going to sit here and say they haven't played well. They just... Well, they haven't. They've just had a defense that's that's played well and three offensive players that have played well, which really doesn't work all that well when you have a quarterback who's a passing quarterback at his core with no receivers other than his tight end, who is the best tight end in football. And you have Pacheco, who is seemingly coming into his own, but isn't really being given much of an opportunity to prove himself. Oh, he's not at all. They're, they're way too light with his touches, but that's that's a discussion for another day. Absolutely. Because I could be here for half an hour talking about that. Who do you have at six? I have your boys. My boys? Your boys. My boys. Yeah. Who do you have? I have the Jags. <laughs> Here's why. Jags beat the Bills. Bills would be here if the Jags didn't just beat them. Well, yes, I do think that jet lag had a part to play. At the end of the day, the Jags won. The Jags lost to the Texans, did they not? The Texans are doing really well. Next year, I could definitely see them making our power ranking unless you have them in the power ranking this week. But look, the Jags have an absolutely just mean and terrifying defense. And when their offense is actually trying to move the ball, they do it really well. They have two fantastic receivers and 
really my biggest issue with the Jags is Trevor Lawrence because he just looks way too relaxed throughout the games until he needs to work, which absolutely drives me insane. As a former former football player, everything. Didn't matter if you were on defense or offense, you were always taught 100% on every single down, on every single play. Does not matter if you're winning or you're losing 100%, and I don't see that from, from Trevor. See, and that's part of why I can't have them this high. That, and also, when they're clicking, they're a really good football team. Mm-hmm. When they're not, it's like a whole, it's like a whole different franchise. Yeah. And to be ranked in the top six, I feel like that duality cannot be there as much as it has been. They were trying exceptionally hard to lose that game against Buffalo. At least from from what I saw. It was just a coasting thing. But that again, that's a Trevor Lawrence thing. But he, if he Trevor Lawrence does agency, it, the team and does then it. And that's when it causes it. The rest that's, of the team plays hard. But that doesn't matter. That's the th- and that's it bothers me that it, I have to say that it doesn't matter. Now speaking of quarterback and why I do not have my Hawks at six is because the more and more I see of Geno Smith, and look, I, I've said it a million times, I'll continue to say it. I love Geno. Okay, I've supported him when he was a backup, and I'm supporting him now. Even now, I'm supporting him. My biggest issue with Geno is he's just a game manager and he doesn't actually make the plays he does what he needs to do so we can win but he also has a tendency to fall short we have so many three and outs with geno smith i don't know who to blame whether it be play calling or geno's ability but it feels like there's still a lot of weight that has to be put on his shoulders and as far as talent is concerned trevor has that talent whereas geno doesn't the only difference between the two of them is that Gino puts in 100% on every single play, which is one of the reasons why I love him, whereas Trevor does not. And so for me, the reason why I put the Jags six is because the talent is there, the effort isn't, and the rest of the team is fantastic. And I think as far as these two teams go, they're very comparable. I, I agree with you saying they're comparable. And I mean, ultimately, I'm inclined to agree with you. That said, you can't, it's so hard to teach effort. You can't, like, as much as you say, oh, you can teach it, you can teach it, you can't. And I feel like that's something, and I know we're, we're supposed to be just looking the here and now, and I'm going to do that. But this is something that we're seeing out of T-Law that I don't think will get better this season. Maybe come playoff time. But also, I just like your defense a lot more than I like theirs. Fair enough. And you know what? As soon as you said my boys, uh, I was going to concede because I want to see my boys as high as possible. Not going to lie. I have them. I have them uh, nine on my list, but I will not concede that the Jags shouldn't be any less than seventh. I will give you that. I will give you Jags at seven. Only because these two teams are, they could just as easily flip-flop. Despite my issues with the Jaguars. Mm -hmm. Next up, at number eight, 
Who do you have? It it hurts me to say what I'm about to say. Wow. Indianapolis Colts. I have them at 10. But let's let's hear your argument for it. Look. Anthony Richardson is a giant question mark still. He did not play poorly before getting hurt. He played quite well against Tennessee this past week before getting hurt. But I'm not going to talk about Anthony Richardson. I'm here to talk about Gardner Minshew II because he has come in three times now this season and very handily won games for this Colts team. He is the epitome of what you want in a backup quarterback. And he's putting up starting caliber numbers. You know, he's got a good supporting cast. Josh Downs had the game of his life this past week and has looked good. Michael Pittman, not necessarily a top 15 wide out, but top 20 for sure and enough to be a piece that the Colts can use. Zach Moss turned into Ladanian Tomlinson last week and had the game of his life. Zaire Franklin is leading the league in tackles. It's almost like the I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop on these guys, and I don't think it will. Fair. But there's a very good reason as to why I have them at 10. Their best, one of their best players has started four games and has gotten hurt in three of them. And it's their rookie quarterback. And that's concerning to me. Can he stay healthy moving forward? That's really the only thing that's holding me back. This is a good team with a good roster that not this year, but maybe next year, especially if Richardson can get healthy, could be one of the best teams in the NFL, which you're probably getting frustrated hearing. But if I have to suffer through the Niners, you're going to have to suffer through the Colts one day. Do you know how long I had to do that? Look, but I am going to both agree and disagree with you in that. Look, I want Richardson to be healthy. My my divisional animosity aside, I hated it when Andrew Luck went down the way he did. I was very happy when Peyton came to Denver, don't get me wrong, because, you know, as a boy, why wouldn't I have been? But having read into the circumstances, not great. I know they spent the fourth overall on Anthony Richardson. I do think that for the foreseeable future, you roll with Gardner Minshew. And I don't disagree with that. But this is the team that I would put ahead of the Colts, at least as of right now. And that is the Buffalo Bills. Look, they have one of the best receivers in football. They, we thought they were going to regress this year. There are signs of that. But even though they lost this week, until the fourth quarter, or uh, it, within the fourth quarter, they didn't look bad. And they had moments of greatness throughout the, the rest of the game. And that jet lag really, really had an impact on them. Now, this Bills team, they have a great defense. 
They have a solid offense. And again, for them, their biggest question mark is running back. Because they only had something like 29 rushing yards this week. And they are consistently not rushing all that much. Now, it doesn't help that your starting running back is out for the season, thanks to a freak accident. But at the end of the day, as long as Josh Allen is playing the football that he's playing right now, if the Bills and the Colts were to play tomorrow, I'm taking the Bills 100%. If we weren't doing these rankings as early as we are, I would disagree with you. I will concede, just because if I don't, we'll be here for 45 more minutes. Oh yeah, I'm not I'm not ready to let this one go. No, but but <laughs> it's it, it's time to move on. But I will concede nine. Okay, I'll 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 extend an olive branch. I'll take that olive branch. That's where I had them before we had the Jags dispute. Okay. And look, they're going up from ten to nine for me. So I'm gonna. Do you want to take us off for ten? Because I'm more interested to hear who you have at 10 than than who I have at 9. All right. Well, at number 10, I've got a team that I did not expect I would be putting here. I got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Okay. We agree. I'm shocked. Who did you think I had? Baltimore. No. I thought about putting Baltimore, but ultimately they were 12 on my list. Okay. I was going to put the Rams above them. Wow. Okay. Rams purely because they have Cooper cutback. Um, and I think that what happened this last week is, is a big adjustment for them having one of their biggest pieces coming back when they're relying on Puka Nasua, who's a v- very talented. Don't get me wrong, but a rookie. So you're, your entire game plan changes. I mean, we we saw that this past week. Exactly. Like Puka so, put up good yards, but still forty less than Cooper because Stafford knows. Exactly, and so that's and so while they're trying to find a balance between the two, I have them eleventh in the league despite their loss. Now, I feel pretty confident about this. The only thing I'm I disagree with very much so is our two and three spots. But I can't do anything about that. No, you can't. And look, I I understand why you don't like it. I feel like it makes more sense. Like I said, I respect your arguments. I acknowledge them. I just think you're wrong. And so do I you. Well, there you go. But that's why why we're such good friends because we can really just adamantly disagree and still respect each other's exactly uh, now to do a complete recap over our power rankings of week six in the nfl number 10 we have the tampa bay buccaneers nine we have the indianapolis colts eight the buffalo bills seven the jacksonville jaguars six the seattle seahawks five Kansas City Chiefs, four, Miami Dolphins, three, Philadelphia Eagles, two, Detroit Lions, and number one, San Francisco 49ers. 
Thank you. I did not want to say that. Yeah, no, I get you. I get you. Now, we will leave a portion um, underneath of this episode. Tell us who your top five teams are, top ten teams. We'd love to hear what your power rankings look like and hear why we're wrong. Well, mostly Ivan, because, yes, I, I know. Trust me, I, I tried to get the Eagles number two. But now it's time to talk about our predictions. And now, talking about the Thursday night primetime game brought to you by Primetime Productions, um, we have the Denver Broncos facing up against the Kansas City Chiefs in Kansas City. Look, Kansas City has been struggling. And along with that, Kelsey won't be 100%. That's a big red flag for me. Hopefully, Pacheco will be a big piece to this offense. Whenever we say that, he turns out not to be. But at the end of the day, look, Kansas City will not need the refs to win this game. If it really comes down to that, then I'm going to be really concerned for the Chiefs moving forward. Um, But we could see a pissed-off Denver team. But again, I've shit on their defense before. I'm not going to start praising them now. I don't think this defense can come back. Final score, 24-14 in favor of Kansas City. Now, I'm looking at, at the situation that lies ahead. Like you said, Kelsey, not unlikely to be 100%. And I'm going to say it for the second straight week. The Kansas City Chiefs are going to have to rely on Isaiah Pacheco. We saw Khalil Herbert absolutely gash this Broncos defense two weeks ago. Clearly, their run defense is abysmal, and I think the Chiefs are going to take full advantage of that. The passing game is going to have its problems, obviously, for both teams. Ultimately, it's Arrowhead. It's Andy Reid. It's Kermit the Frog. Taylor Swift's boyfriend. Exactly. Chiefs, 30-16. to 16. Who do you have first game? Well, I've got the Seattle Seahawks and the Cincinnati Bengals. Let's go, baby! I know. I'm on a, I'm on a West Coast tear this week. Look, um, I'm actually kind of worried for your boys. Oh, I am too. Jamar Chase finally got it going. The rest of the Bengals offense didn't. So, I mean, look, I have faith in Woolen to completely lock down Chase. And if he needs help, he's got Quandre over the top. And Jamal will more than likely play from reports I've been Correct. hearing. And then Jordan Love as, as well. or Julian. Julian Love, thank you. Anytime. I don't know where that came from. And Julian Love has been playing very well as well. Look, doesn't matter which side of the field... They send Jamar, and it doesn't matter who else they have on the field. Look, Seattle has, yes, a young uh, secondary, but we also have one of the best safeties in the league, definitely the most underrated, and we have Jamal Adams, who hopefully can go back to what he was before. I'm not expecting that. It's just wishful thinking. 
Now, you know, I've I've adored your secondary, advocated for your secondary, done everything short of getting down on my knees for your secondary. But they're going to need to play some tight football and you said it yourself there. I mean, you need to you need to lock down Chase and pray to God that you can single cover Higgins and Boyd. Now, one big thing that I want to note is the Bengals give up a lot of rush yards. Yep. And that's going to be a really big issue with K9 coming in. And he's been having two fa- he had two fantastic games back to back before the bye week. Uh, then you have Zach Charbonnet who's been playing outstanding, not as good as K9, but still fantastic. And look, between these two backs, they're both young. Right. Ken has already proven proven himself as a starting caliber running back. Now Charbonnet, all he has to do is prove himself to be a solid number two. And Seattle has a rock and running game. And I think that we will be able to find some success here. I agree. I look at this game and I can't see it being anything except a shootout. And I'm giving your boys the edge. 35 to 27 with at least one defensive touchdown. This is my biggest issue with this Seahawks team. Just going into this game. It's exclu- it's exclusive to this game. Seattle has a tendency to lose first game back from a bye week. Now, I think that we have the benefit of going up against a Cincinnati team that has been struggling Burrow is still hurt. He's not at 100%. They um, refuse to rest him. Exactly. Um, we have a defense that has proven themselves that they can get to the quarterback and cause some hurt. And so I really do see a high number of sacks, but I still think it's going to be very, very close. But Seattle will just barely squeak out a win. I have them going 20-18. to 18. Oh, I felt good to talk about my Hawks. It's been way too long. I know, right? It's it's been forever. But now, we go to the London game. (laughs) And we are going to be talking about the Baltimore Ravens taking on your Tennessee Titans. May I? Not yet. Okay. Ryan Tannehill? He's on an even week. So you know what that means? The team is going to be just good enough to win. Um, But I'm also not going to lie. I like your defense going up against this offense. I like the odds of it. Um, I think that you guys are going to be able to hold them down to a reasonable score. I'm going to take, uh, I'm going to take Tennessee here. I... I appreciate the vote of confidence, but okay, we'll get the positives out of the way. Even week Tannehill, like you said, and he did not look bad last week by any standards. Him and DeAndre Hopkins finally seem to have like really, really gelled. The trust is there. The King, he's having a down year. I don't care. We got Tajay Spears. Good dual back system. Our offensive line is 
still a walking question mark. And on the subject of question marks, look, Tier Tart probably will not play. He is our best run stopper. The Colts gashed us. The Ravens are more than likely to do the same with better running backs. Furthermore, we have one of the worst secondaries I have ever seen. Christian Fulton should have been left in Indianapolis. And believe me, I advocated for this guy for a long time. The most boneheaded decisions I've ever seen on a football field. It's like the second coming of Valentino Blake. Um, I agree with you that it will be consistent scoring. I expect Nicholas Folk to get a lot of time on the field, however. A lot of field goals. The red zone offense could not get going last week. Jet lag is going to be an issue for both sides. Reportedly, the field is terrible. That's what I've heard from Buffalo players. Now, whether or not that's just salt, I cannot confirm or deny. Well, it is a soccer field, not a football field. And they stripped the grass off and replaced it with turf. Of course they did. Yeah. That said, this is going to come down to big, long drives, eating time off the clock whenever we can, getting the defense as rested as possible, because if we can't do that, we're kaput. Titans 24 to 20. I think I think the King is going to have a pretty good game. Not 200 yards good, but good. And it's just going to come down to whether or not the Ravens can throw the ball effectively against us. And if we've made enough adjustments in our run game to stop Gus Edwards. Because if I if I had to highlight a single question mark, it's that. It's the run defense here. For sure. Um, I have 20 to 17 in favor of Tennessee. All right. Well, up next, I've got another beautiful NFC West, AFC North matchup between the San Francisco 49ers and the Cleveland hands. Boo. Look, um, the hands are toast. It It's not going to be pretty. All the Niners have to do is play their style of football and they will sail away with this one. Furthermore, quarterback number four may not play, and if quarterback number four does not play, P.J. Walker, renowned Carolina Panthers backup, will get the start over Doriel Thompson-Robinson. Um, There's not a whole lot more to say. This is going to be a 35-10 to 10 blowout in favor of the Niners, and I think I'm being generous with the amount of points I'm giving to Cleveland there. Quarterback number four is just questionable. As of right now, so I'm just going to work under the assumption that he's going to be playing. Fair. But with that being said, this Niners team is too good. Now, this is going to be the most adversity that they're going to be coming up against because this is statistically regarded as the best defense in the league. They're number one in total yards uh, per game. They're number one in passing yards, fourth in rushing, um, points allowed. They're tied for second. Um, And really, the Niners also have an outstanding defense as well. 
second for total yards, 12th for passing yards allowed, uh, and second for rushing yards allowed, and first for points allowed with only 13 points. Look, I think that this is going to be the most adversity that we see against the Niners. If the Niners are as good as we think they are, they'll be able to pull it out. But I think that because this is the most adversity that they're going to see, it could be possible where we see them losing at the end of one of the four, uh, one of the first three quarters. Um, purely because Brock Purdy has not faced a defense like this yet. So, with that being said, I do have San Francisco winning, but I think it's going to be a lot tighter than than you think. With a final score of 28 to 21. And the last game that I will be covering is Sunday night primetime. New York Giants at the Buffalo Bills. Is is there a reason that we have to keep watching these guys on primetime? New York? Yeah. So nice. They named the city twice, even though they're based out of New Jersey. But that's beside the point. Uh, Bills are going to be pissed. The Giants, they're just bad. Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley are both questionable. That's not good either. However, I think if Saquon plays and Tyrod Taylor is the starter, I think this could be a much closer game than what I have. But I don't think that's going to be the be the case. I think if one of the two starts, it's going to be Daniel Jones. And really, this team sucks without Saquon. What do you mean? They've got perennial backup running back Matt Breida. I had to. You know that. Look. Low-hanging fruit. Low-hanging fruit fruit you've been hating on Brita this entire time he's doing his best man he, what no, do you look, want from him no, and look I'm, I'll give him credit because he's not in an optimal situation look Matt you're never going to hear this I don't actually hate you I just don't think you're a number one running back and unfortunately you've been put into a situation that you cannot excel in called running behind the New York Giants offensive line now that out of the way um, this game is going to be a massacre, regardless of who starts at quarterback for the Giants. And um, that's pretty well all I have to say, because this is a dumpster fire of a franchise. I want to have faith in the Giants, because I don't want to shit on them every time. So if Saquon plays, and if Tyrod Taylor's the starter, uh, I have the final score being 35-13 to 13 for Buffalo. Without either, with Tyrod Taylor, without Saquon, uh, 35 to 3. Look, I mean, like I said, Daniel is more likely to start. If Saquon starts, I agree with you, it will be closer. I don't have faith in Daniel Jones to do anything. So I'm going to give you the tune of 40 to 6 because 
And yeah, I'm 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 in the same boat as you. I don't want to keep dunking on the New York Giants, but the product on the field is the equivalent of a dollar store garden trowel. You know, you think it'll work fine. You think it'll work fine. You you push it. You keep pushing it, and it eventually snaps. I mean, I would argue Daniel Jones is just a dollar store Kirk Cousins. I could not agree more. Who do you have for your last in-depth prediction? All right, I've got a very important NFC North matchup between the Minnesota Vikings and the Chicago Bears. Look, I said it earlier, I'm going to say it again. If the Vikings are going to do anything to save this season, it's got to be right now. That said, things aren't looking good. Jefferson out for at least a month. Jordan Addison looked very good against the Chiefs. He's going to need to keep that going, and he's now going to be marked full-time as the number one guy. He'll be drawing the top corners. The Bears' offense, you're going to hate it, has looked good the last couple weeks. If Justin Fields and DJ Moore keep doing what they're doing, I I think we could see some upwards trajectory. Look, I'm sorry, Minnesota. 30-23 to in favor of the Bears. Because, respectfully, as good as Jordan Addison is, without Justin Jefferson there to help split the corners, he's going to be so blanketed. It's not even going to be funny. It's going to be a close game. It's going to be another one-score loss. And and maybe it's time to, to cut ties with Captain Kirk. Regardless of the numbers he's putting up. I don't have faith in the Bears, that the same faith in the Bears that you do. Captain Kirk has been putting up phenomenal numbers week after week. He's the only quarterback in league history that's been putting up numbers like these and having as bad of a record as he has without Justin Jefferson. I think they're going to have to rely more so on their backups like Addison. And they're also going to have to rely on Hawkinson a lot more. But look, Hawkinson's a beast. We know he can get open really well. We know he can fight through tackles. I'm not expecting a monster game. He's solid for great dink and dunks. Addison, you know how hot I've been on him. They have a good receiving core. And yes, Justin Jefferson is the best receiver in the league, and it's definitely going to be felt. I just can't see Kirk who's been putting up the numbers that he's been putting up, not beating this Bears defense, which is not that good. They did great last week, but in general, they're not that good, and they're not playing for anything this week. They had Dick Butkus to try and honor, to try and play for. They don't have that this week. I, you know, I... But you know what Minneapolis has to play for? What? 
a playoff spot, which I think they can reach if they start to turn things around. And sometimes losing one of your key pieces forces you to think differently, think outside the box, and maybe it's just what they need to get their asses in gear. That's what I'm hoping for. That's the type of team that I think Minneapolis could be. So unlike you, I have Minneapolis winning. 23 to 20. Look, and I'm willing to put a case of beer on it. I'm not just because the beer has not been in stock lately and I still owe you one. Fair. I want you to be right. And look, I've always liked Captain Kirk. I just think that without Jefferson, there's going to be a trust factor that's not 100% there with Addison. Look, this is going to be a make-or-break moment for Addison. We're going to see if he's going to be one of their guys moving forward. Like, we're going to see if this is going to be like a A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith type type receiving core in, in Minneapolis. Now, I've been, I, I've been high on Addison all year. Okay, you know how excited I've been. I'm going to keep cheering for him. I'm going to keep keep rooting for him. I think he can do it. He just needs to take that next step forward in his development. And I think Kirk needs to take that next step forward in his trust with Addison. Build their chemistry a little bit more. And I think they can win. And that's it for the in-depth predictions, everybody. Now, as always, we will be covering the rest of the games. Uh, pretty quickly. So, uh, first off, we're going to be covering Washington in Atlanta. Falcons. 28, 25. Whoa. Neither team, both teams have played well at times and neither team has had an objectively terrible showing. I think they're very evenly matched on skill level. So do I. Um, But, I mean, you know how much I love a pissed-off team. They were embarrassed against the Bears. The Bears suck. I'm going to keep rolling with that until I'm officially proven wrong, which they have not done yet. Hopefully, I will eat my word soon, but I will not today. So I'm going to take Washington here. Uh, They're going to be pissed. They're going to come in. They're going to show up. And they're going to do everything that they can. If not, free Drake London, free Kyle Pitts, hashtag free the Falcons. Next up, we have the Nolan Saints in Houston facing up against the Texans. Thank you. Now, look. Oh, you were giving me the death stare. I was like, ooh, I almost got fired last week. I, I don't know say, if I, 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 I want to. I'll fire you back to back weeks. Look, um. The Saints, you want to talk about embarrassed? They got whooped by the Buccaneers. Uh, that said, I think they're going to get whooped yet again. C.J. Stroud is absolutely terrifying, and the Texans are going to take over the division again. I'm going to cry myself to sleep. Texans, 40 to 14. Okay, well, I agree with you on this one. Uh, just not the score. Holy shit. Look. I'll lower my score for uh, for for the Saints just a little bit, but I'm still gonna go seventeen to twenty or twenty three to seventeen in favor of Houston. 
You just raised your score for the Saints. No, I just lowered it. Because I had them at 21 before. Oh, okay. 23 to 21. I thought you were saying in comparison to mine. Oh, no, no, no. Lowering it to, to what I had. Okay. Next up, we have uh, a divisional matchup with the Jags taking on the Colts in Jacksonville. Jags by lots. You know the rules. The Colts don't win in Jacksonville. Okay. What's your final score? Okay, so Gardner Minshew is going to be playing. That has been all but proven. So when I say lots, I actually mean like 28 to 18. That 10 is still quite a bit. Yeah. I actually have uh, an upset this week. I think Indy's going to come in. Look, I liked what I saw from Minshew when he started last. I think that he'll be able to get the job done with the team around him. I think the coaching has been absolutely solid. Uh, So because of that, I'm going to have 24 to 18. Close game. I think Trevor is just going to be way too relaxed, take too many breaks, and that's going to cost them the game. Next up, we have an absolute nail-biter. Carolina Panthers in Miami. Question. Yes. Is it appropriate to say Dolphins by 70? I'll allow it, but... I'm not going to say it. I was just wondering if that was... Look, um, this is going to suck for Carolina. Uh, Dolphins... 50 to 10. You are high-flying today. I am. It's the Miami Dolphins. I think I'm allowed to step off the leash a little bit. Well, speed kills, so I'll allow it. Uh, Again, I have an absolute decimation here. Uh, 36 to 10, though. Also in favor of Miami. Next up, we have the Pats in Vegas taking on the Raiders. As long as they don't try their little ring around the rosy lateral shit again, the Patriots will still probably lose because Mac Jones is a terrible quarterback and Bill Belichick has lost his edge. I want to see McCorkle Jones with a different team before I write him off because I think that he's had a really bad go at things. He I mean, has no offensive weapons, no real offensive coordinator. You put him on a properly, not even proper, just a decent offensive team, and I think he'd be doing better. I'm inclined to agree with you. I meant like situationally. I should have clarified that. Fair enough, fair because, enough. Because, look, the Raiders are just going to still keep this game far closer than it needs to be 21 18 Las Vegas. I think this one's going to be uh, a snore f- a snooze fest 14 to 10 Las Vegas. Next up we have Detroit in Tampa. I feel like a lot of people are going to think that this is going to be a really good game. I don't 28 14. Detroit. I think it's going to be really good, but good doesn't necessarily mean both. Like, how do I, how do I say this without sounding like a fool? Good does not have to mean competitive. It will look very good for the Detroit lions when they win 36 to 20. 
I think the Bucks are going to have flashes, but ultimately it just won't be enough. I mean, this defense is too good. I, I'm actually going to put it down right here. Hutch with two sacks. Aiden Hutchinson for president. I don't know if that's something you can bet on, but uh, you, you can try if you want. I don't think he's well, he, he's ineligible for a long time. He's nowhere near 35. <laughs> well, when he retires. He'll retire at like actually probably at 35. Yeah, see? Uh, next up, we have the E-A-G-L-E-S. You spelled it wrong. What? It's E-L-G-S-E-S. Everybody knows this. Eggles. Eggles. Uh, in New York, taking on the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Uh, Eagles are taking this. 26, 21. The Eagles, 32 to 20. 32 to 20. 32 to 20. And we're, and the Bucks going to stop there. And lastly, oh, sorry, not lastly. We have the Arizona Cardinals taking our taking on the fucking Rams. So the Cardinals are going to win by 14 points purely because I refuse to give anything to the Rams when I don't need to. And uh, that said, uh, 28-14. How did I know you were going to say 28-14? Because I like doubling scores. I know. Uh, I disagree. Look, the Rams are a weird team. They have good pieces. They have flat flashes of, of talent. And then they fall on their face other times. But you know what? I don't have faith in Arizona to stop Cup and Puka. So I think that the Rams are going to sneak by with a win. But they're still going to win nonetheless. 30-27. to 27. Now, this is a game where I will be cheering for both teams to lose, but if I have to hope that one team would win, it would be the Cards. They're not really competitive in the division. They're like that little brother that's like, you know, you want to hate them, but you just... I like the Jaguars. They're, they're just sitting in the corner all pathetic and small-like and just crying. And you just want to go, oh, buddy. Don't touch me, but buddy. <laughs> And lastly, we have the great, the legendary, how about them Cowboys? After their stunning performance this week, taking on the L.A. Chargers in L.A. Okay, so it's basically a home game for Dallas. Um... But after last week, uh, I don't have faith in them at all. I never had faith in them at all. So I'm going to say Chargers 21-7. And I have 23-17 to 17 Chargers. Take the over on Dak's interception numbers, folks, because it's going to be a long day. Long day. But anyways, guys, that's the episode. Um. We are also going to be leaving uh, suggestions for anything you might want to hear us talk about in between our recap and predictions. So if there's anything you want to hear us talk about, 
leave a comment. Um, and as always, guys, bottoms up.